0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Happy holidays, Chuck. I've had a little bit of a cold, so if my, uh, <clears throat> if my voice le- leaves us at some point in the process, please hang on with me. We will. The, uh, this is the third series of the series. If I just turn off my mic. All right, this is the third of this series of four. We did hope, peace, now we're doing joy. And those that have the, the, the uh, pamphlet, they're going to notice that the topic of joy is the wedding at Cana. And uh, <clears throat> as an ex-alcoholic, I'm not going to find joy in the making of wine. So we're going to go to a different section of the Bible, for, if you don't mind. I thought the fir- first thing is, since we've brought it up already is let's do a definition of joy. If we bring it up on the screen, it's the grace of the Holy Spirit to our soul of the knowledge and experience of our Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. I chose the word grace because this is an unearned gift. Unmerited. Something that, it's supernatural move of God. Joy is a supernatural move of God to our soul. Because in our soul is where we have our 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 will, our heart, our mind resides. And it's in our soul that we develop what we consider to be truth and what we consider to be treasure. And it's from that truth and treasure that we make all of our decisions. So joy comes when... God has placed in us an experience and knowledge of Jesus Christ in our lives. And that's what joy is. I always like to have a little time of prayer. I found a prayer from uh, St. Augustine that I just thought was so appropriate for today. I'd just like to read it with you. Oh God, the light of the heart that sees you, the life of the soul that loves you, the strength of the mind that seeks you. May I ever continue to be steadfast in your love. Be the joy of my heart. Take all of me to yourself and abide therein. The house of my soul is, I confess, too narrow for you. Enlarge it that you may enter. It is ruinous to repair to it. It has within it, What must offend your eyes, I confess and know it. But whose help shall I seek in cleansing it but yours alone? To you, O God, I cry urgently. Cleanse me of my secret faults. Keep me from false pride and sensuality that they not get dominion over me. That my soul is too narrow to let you in. Gosh, I just pray that the Lord every day expands what's in me. So I move to what the Bible talks about joy. One of my favorite places in John 15. In John 15 is a sandwich right there. He just tells the apostles, I'm leaving. So they're in a panic. He's going to tell them, <coughs> excuse me, that the world is going to hate you and treat you like they treat me. They don't even know what that means yet. And in the middle, he brings in the vine and the branches. And this is so great. It starts in, I, I start in verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. (coughs) Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments. You will abide in my love just as so I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. <coughs> These things I have spoken to you so that my joy, my joy, may be in you and that your joy may be full. <coughs> this clearly tells me that apart from Jesus, joy is strictly temporary. You know, we can... You know, we always have to do this. I remember. I Are you joyful? Are you happy? Oh no, I'm joyful because I'm Christian. You know what? You're allowed to be both. You can be happy and joyful. So when Ohio State wins a national championship, I'll be happy. Oh thank God. I'll be joyful. So, <laughs> but you know, when you see this word "abide," right here, we saw it what eight nine times. I mean. John writes about it all the time. He's always over a hundred sometimes. Do you understand what abide means? Because a lot of times it's translated as abide or remain, dwell. (coughs) It's to allow God to rest in us in a comfortable, peaceful, gentle coexistence with you. It's almost like you and your wife sitting in front of a fireplace, not really talking about anything, just sitting there together. And just we're enjoying each other completely. Yes. Abide in me. And I abide in you. <clears throat> this, is, this is going back and forth now. Almost like, like his blood is flowing in our blood. The individual... Blood corpuscles are still unique to each other, but it's flowing in each of us. I'm in you, and you're in me. So then, what happens is your word, your truth, pours into me. I have a, a new truth in me, and I'm and then I'm. I'm explaining to you what what I think, and God's saying, we're exchanging this, and then a new love moves into me, and then I exchange with that. this is what the abiding is like. And that the obeyment of commandments flows from the love because we don't want to break up that harmony. This is just so cool. This is so great. Whatever you say, I'll do. And whatever you ask, I'll do. Because we're in this harmony of abiding. It's a special place. That's complete joy. Now think about it, if you're an apostle and you just heard this. Where are you going to, Jesus? You know, and now he's about to tell them some other terrible news. But he's saying, don't worry about that. You and I form the eye of the hurricane. Everything else around us can be chaos. We're, in, we're, we're cool. Everything's just fine. You know, so many times Christians spend their whole life trying to get God to love them because they've slipped out of this abiding love into a prideness of, I've got to get to this. You know, I mentioned it was grace. I was praying one time, since we've been talking a lot about Thanksgiving, and I was telling God, I'm sorry, I I was not very Thanksgiving in the past. And he said, that's because you never understood grace. I thought I did. I knew the definition. I had a catechism when I was little. I knew what grace was. But what I understood was, two parts actually. One is, I limit grace. God didn't just forgive my sins. He took out the sinful nature. He lifted me up out of the prison of of the sinful nature and put me right into his lap in the throne room. He, he He doesn't just have you come out of the jaws of the lion He gets you out of the jungle into a penthouse. He does so much more. But the worst part is, I always thought I participated in my grace. I kind of had a worldview that I was raised in that if I did something, I earned grace. So if I went to church, I earned grace. So I went to church. If I became, if I was in the boys' choir, you earned more grace. I went to the boys choir you become an altar boy and you, there's only one person in the whole church getting more grace than you and that's the priest so yeah I'll ring those bells come on listen <laughs> and I became an altar boy he said no I don't participate in my grace this is a gift of Jesus his gift flows as love quite frankly I can earn recognition from my wife I can't earn her love because I can't talk her into loving me. Because if I can, the next guy can talk her out of it. So, but there's got to be something special there. It's a blessing. This is what this abide is. It's to be made full and complete. I'm. The more you look at that. One thing Jesus is making very clear here is the benefits of abiding in Jesus are as great as the dangers of neglecting it. He's about to tell them of a world that's turning upside down. He's leaving them. The world's going to hate them. If you don't abide in me, you won't just have joy. You're going to live in torment. Just the opposite will happen to you. You know, that's what made me a Christian. Oh, yes. Quite frankly, I wasn't all that concerned about my, about my eternity. I figured I got plenty of time to worry about that. When someone told me I can live a life of joy, I said, how? And I said it real sarcastically. And, they, and that's how someone brought me closer and closer to Jesus. His name was Andrew Park. He's a a pastor in in, uh, Dayton, Ohio. But he was so gentle with me, and he just carried me through. And then through Holy Week, he really explained to me, he turned humanness into Christ. And he said, and God's love for you is in you always. This inner sense that there's an exchange, that when you sit there and you start to pray, and you absolutely know the presence of the Lord's there, and it starts swirling around you. And you know that you know that you know. Doesn't have to, you don't need to find a a textbook or verse or anything. What speaks to you is is absolute pure truth and you're overwhelmed sometimes. And I call it the aha moment. is when he just comes and gives you this. And I I named it that really because, if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, have a parking where I was anyway, had a parking area, and he had to like walk up this hill, and then all of a sudden, bam, it hit you, and the whole view comes into view. And everyone, it gets to the top, goes like this ah, that's as, that's as much as they can say, that's how they can articulate it. That's what it feels like when Christ does that with you, it's, ah, yes. Another mystery sort of undone. I kind of get it. I know it's not 100%, but I get it more. He'll give you a little trinity. He'll give you a little, it's amazing when you're abiding in him. That joy is unbelievable. I I move from there to another thing John wrote. John wrote a couple of epistles and in uh, the first epistle, He says in verse one, four, that I write to you that your joy may be complete. Because what had happened was, their joy had been disturbed. False teachers had moved in. The definition of whether they're going to heaven or not had gotten into question. The very question of what is God's relationship with them like came into question. In this epistle alone, he uses the word abide 24 times in this little tiny epistle I chose this one just these two little verses in chapter 2 it says now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming if you know that he is righteous you know that everyone who also practices righteousness is born of him abide in Him. That when that trumpet sounds and Jesus is coming, we run right for Him. Because we know this joy that is the love of Christ. We know the truth of Christ. We have no shame. We, We rush toward it. Gosh, what a thought. You know what? Everybody that I've ever met before that asked me before I was Christian said, do you know if you're going to heaven? Probably. I really didn't hurt anybody. Now, I've reflected on it, I've hurt a lot of people, but at that time, I didn't hurt anybody. I'm basically a good person. You know what? I swear, in that bunker, Adolf Hitler's probably going, I'm basically a very good person. I mean, Everybody says this. I've never said anyone goes, well, I'm sure I'm going to hell because I'm terrible. Everybody says they're basically a good person. Now, they may not say that about you, but they say that about themselves. How about this? I absolutely positively know that when the trumpet sounds, I have been abiding in him. I've lived a life of joy because of the coming of Christ. Christ into the world and I can't wait to see him come on a cloud I will run to that cloud of glory and nothing can stop me and I will find him there the one that I've been in relationship with all this time I will find power beauty strength everything I've ever dreamed of right there and I won't back up I won't cower and I won't be afraid because I've abided in him That's joy. I'm 62 years old. I don't know how long I'm going to live. But I hope that I'm never going to be one of those people that struggle and fight my death. Because I'll say I've got Christ coming. I'm going to live as long as I can. I'm going to blow right on past Ada up to 101. (laughs) But, you know, what's interesting though is then it comes down and talks about righteousness. Righteousness. This is really important to John because it's important to us. We talked about the fruit of the vine. Some people say it's good works. Some people say it's uh, whether or not you brought people to Christ. The fruit of the vine is developing that Christ-likeness. It's moving in a righteous life. Then when we start to move in this righteous life, We can then see that we're children of, we're born of Him. You know, right at this point, John just freezes. That whole concept to him is so powerful that we are born of our of God. We're not just created; we're born of God. Family. This is, he he just like goes nuts let's go to the next one this is three one. now in the King James it says behold <clears throat> here it says see both are right by the way because it's a compound uh, in the Greek it's both behold look at this pay attention learn this this is very important this has got the flashers behold See how great a love. Now that word great is a weird word. It's kind of an idiom. And it means not of this tribe of people, not of this land. It, it speaks of something that's really great, but from it's foreign. We would say how out of this world this love is. That's as far as he can expand it. That's the biggest approach that he can give it. That the Father has bestowed, has given to us. Lavished on us is actually a better word probably. Just pouring out his love on you. Just buckets of it, just throwing on you. That we would be called children of God. And such we are. I want you to think about this for a second. This is so stunning to John. He just brings it out. Wow, whatever else you do, get this, understand this. Don't miss this. You know what Spurgeon said? His is in this verse. The Holy Spirit says, read other scriptures if you like with a glance, but stop here. I have put up a way mark to tell you there is something imminently worthy of attention burned beneath the words. John's 90 years old when he writes this. He has seen every miracle of Jesus. He was on the Mount of Transformation saw the glory. He was there at the death of Christ, at the resurrection, at the ascension. 90-year-old, he says, this is it. This is the most profound thing I can see. You become part of a godly family. This is more than just trivial to him. This is incredible. That's why the word see is a command. It says, stop everything else and understand this. You're a child of God. I love you so much. You're a child of God. Don't just put a title on it. You really are. That's what he he attacks on at the end. Such we are. Golly, how many... You know what? I've thought of that. Yeah, I'm a child of God. But I don't really feel it. And he suddenly goes, Yes, you are. Oh, I really am. I will do anything for my child. Think about this now when you pray. Take it from a lens of, God, I hope you will. I wish you did. To, Dad... My back hurts and you can do all things. Can you help me out? Hey, dad, I got a friend at work and he's in a bad spot. You can do all things. Can you help me out? Do you see that Jesus came into the world to make that happen for us? This is what my Christmas gift is that the child of God that's in the manger allow for me to be the child of God that stands before you. So that every time someone is born again, the angels all proclaim in heaven, behold, on this day in the city of Greenfield, Jim Coleman was born and is a child of God. Behold, on this day, In Knightstown, the Jessups are children of God. Uh Behold, we share in this great grace of God that happens at a manger that we are children of God. That when we pray the motivation of God to do something for us is as a child. I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of times I wonder, why would God really do that for me? Why would he you know, I don't want to bother him about something silly. He wants to know everything that's going on. He wants to sit and talk with you and visit with you. He loves you like crazy. We say we're children of God, but it <clears throat> doesn't mean we're infants. He wants to share the family business. He wants you to start to take on a family resemblance. So when you walk down the street and you know what I'm talking about, everyone can say, that person is a person of Christ. That when you walk in through the grocery store, and you're looking for someone to pray for, and you see someone, and you say, hi, you know that that person is a Christian, but this person needs some hope hope in their life. But that's why Jesus came. You realize that really Christmas is like the players that just begin a ball game for a championship, mm-hmm. like a Super Bowl, and they just came onto the field. It took a lot to get there, but that's the, this is the moment they're gonna become champions. And Jesus becomes the champion completing every single challenge. All right, And he does it all for you. He does it all for me. I'm stunned by that sometimes. I've often said, you know, that the farmer loves all of his cattle, but does he love every single one? That was always my wondering if, he is, if God just loves people, but does he like each person? And I realized that's why John is so stunned by this. Yes, yes, he does. Each and every single person that abides in my love moves and flows with me. That all you have to do is accept my love, let your own heart open to that, and flow with me. Like the way that the Trinity moves among themselves, join in and flow with them. Be in the circle of that love and just say, yes, you are my child. That's why John is so stunned by this. He can't get away from it, that we're children of God. You are a child of God. When Mike played that song, I went, oh my goodness, he's hit it right on the nose. He knew what I was gonna be talking about. The the one lyric about how love, love was your name. On this day, a child was born and his name was really love. Boom. I mean, it's really stunning. Joy to the world, because that was the the Savior of the world. Joy to the world, because the God that loves the entire world, that created the world, is here to save us. Yes. This Christmas, maybe more than any other Christmas, take an account of that level of love. Take an account of where the Holy Spirit has moved you. Take an account of how far you have come. We talked about this earlier in the Bible study. One of the things that happens is we don't see it day to day. It's sort of like when you take out pictures. And I said, we're out, a lot of us take out Christmas pictures and you go, I used to look like that. <laughs> that photo is what a lot of people remember you like. And the Holy Spirit's really moved you a long way from there that if you were to go back into that time, no one would recognize you. My time of growth has happened in Indiana. When I go back to Columbus, people really don't know who I am anymore. Well, thank goodness, because let's go drink about 12 beers from now. But, because usually it was it was, it was pool, pool halls, drinking, that kind of stuff. I just say, so yes, I, I'm in absolute joy with this. And, what really gives Jesus joy and glory is for us to recognize it. This is when Jesus says, I've been glorified and my Father's been glorified because you've abided in me, because you have dwelt in me. You've stayed with me. I gave up everything in heaven to come down to earth so that you and I could do this, so that you would recognize that you're my child. So you could recognize what, how much I love you. You want to put a gift for Jesus under the, heart, under the tree? Put your heart right there. And say, it, it's all yours. Because that's what he came for. And he'll restore it. All the glitches, all the stupid things you did, he'll restore it. He'll bring the Holy Spirit on you in a way that you never expected. The Holy Spirit's really actually right here right now. There's a couple of people right here I can just see that the Holy Spirit's hovering on. The Holy Spirit's moving right now. And if you've never felt like you're a child of God, just relish in the moment right now that the Holy Spirit's on you, desperately wanting you to see this. And those of you that know you're children of God, have a party with the Holy Spirit right now. Just, Just enjoy this. This is excitement. This is why we are his people, is to be in his presence and to be accepted in his presence. This is where he lifts up a heart that's been broken. And he tries to tell you, I put that much love into your heart for someone that's no longer here, so that, because I love you. And oh, there's so many things he wants to tell you, so many things he wants to lift you, so many things he wants to do with you. Your children. Some of us feel like we're in swaddling clothes when it comes to Jesus. But we're, we've got a new coat, we have a new ring and new shoes, and we're going to do Dad's business. And I just ask this in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, I don't to give you nothing but thanks and thanks and thanks. And I ask you to continue to follow on us right now. I ask that you continue to let us to see your glory. Show us your glory. Oh, yes. Walk with us always. That we can see you in nature, in people, throughout our lives. That even if we're walking along by ourselves down the street and we see something, we go, oh. And we know you're right there sharing it with us. Oh, gosh. I just thank you so much, Lord. We just thank you that you're part of a community of family here. The Vineyard Mount Comfort is not a membership. It's not a club. We became a member of a family here, not a member of a club. We came here to be part of the family of Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for that invitation. We just thank you for the Holy Spirit being on us. We thank you for all these things that you've been doing for us. You've transformed and changed every single in this every single person in this room. How many times over? And that we keep growing in you, because you're always for our good, you're always for our best. We ask, Lord, that for anyone that we know that, as we go into this Christmas, it doesn't seem to understand you. That we be that twinkling light. We're like the candle. That we can just show this joy, this peace, this love, and this hope that we have. It all resides in your heart, moving to our heart. And we just thank you, Jesus, for that. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.